Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And, he, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Wow, that's amazing reading, thank you. So I've got the pleasure to uh, be able to share 10 short minutes of a reflection on Isaiah 53, although we did talk about swapping minutes, swapping minutes, but one thing you might not know about me is I love questions. I love asking questions. I love answering questions. But one of the interesting things here that made me think about today is, why is Good Friday called Good Friday? Why is it called Good Friday? We've just heard Isaiah read there beautifully, thank you, 700 years odd before the birth of Jesus talking about his persecution, his punishment, his pain. How's that good? Verse 1 in the passage that we read there, it says, it starts with two questions. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? See, a true understanding of who the servant is can only be communicated by divine revelation, a message revealed such revelation, you know, of, of who this is, you know, can only come from God. 
Who could believe that this one, this unimpressive, rejected, despised one, is the very arm of the Lord? It's a matter of perspective, a perspective of sight or faith, of God or man. Things aren't what they seem. A mere man, outwardly unimpressive, as we see in verse 2. No beauty or majesty, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Just a carpenter's son? The arm of the Lord? No, surely not. There can be no belief without divine revelation. Human observation isn't enough. Yet, we are here because we walk by faith and not by sight. Tom's been talking a lot over the last few weeks and months about changing perspective. So I've taken some of that thought and, and put this into here. So this, this perspective, this perspective, you know, he's not worth it. Verse 3 in the passage we read, he's not worth it. We didn't give him the time of day. We didn't give him the time of day. Despised, shamed by men, isolated, held in loathing. But it's worse than that. The word used there, often translated as esteemed, is an accounting term for reckoning value. The human eye counted it up and reckoned it, and it was zero, nothing, zilch, nada. He was persecuted, he was punished, he was pierced, and he died. The end. Should I drop the mic? No. But from the perspective of faith, a different perspective, it is good. Not just good, it's exceedingly good. Meov Tov. His persecution is for our protection from death. His punishment is so that we can be pardoned and have peace. His pain, so that we might prosper. He was pierced, so that we might be preserved for eternity. From the perspective of faith, this servant is characterized by griefs and sorrows. But they weren't his. They were ours. He took on the griefs and the sorrows. And this carries a sense of not just physicality, but the mental capacity. Our suffering, our sorrows, our grief, our anguish, our anxiety, our disappointment, our shame, our guilt, our bereavement, our tragedy, our pain. He took them all on as his own. He made our burdens his. He lifted those burdens up and carried them away and bore them and is bearing them for us. Cast your burdens on him, for he cares for you. Whatever your burdens this morning, lay them at his feet today and reflect on him lifting them up and carrying them and taking them away. His penalty for our peace. Our griefs, our afflictions, our sickness and anxiety become peace. Peace with God, completeness, Purpose fulfilled, reconciled to God and to each other. Completeness. Covenant of peace through Jesus, our King, our Messiah. By his wounds, verse 5, we are healed. Healing in a total sense, healing of person, restoring of fullness, completeness, a sign of the messianic day. He is the perfect substitute for our, for our sins. The price of his wounds is our healing. But not just that, the suffering servant here is the Lamb of God, taking away and bearing our sin. Now, I would be start quoting the New Testament here, but we've got New Testament reflections coming up, so I'm not going to steal the thunder there. But while he suffers, while he suffered, we were straying, going 
our own way. All of us like sheep gone astray. And this sense of going astray isn't just about losing direction, physical direction. We've got sat nav for that. It's about being lost, intoxicated by substance, ethically lost, mentally lost, morally lost, eternally lost. Why? Because each of us have turned to our own way. And this sense of way isn't just about, again, direction. It's about our conduct, our behavior, our lifestyle, our thought patterns. But there's only one way of blessing, only one way to eternal life, only one way to God, the living way, Jesus, our King, Jesus, our Messiah. Reflect on this today. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. All of us like sheep have gone astray, straying like sheep. We know the peril of, you know, sheep without a shepherd. But each of we all and each express both collective culpability and individual responsibility. We can't blame herd instinct. We don't have herd immunity, despite what certain people say in the news. We don't have it. We are all implicated. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the servant here, from the human perspective, he was caught up in events and led to death. But that's not so. From the perspective of faith, we see him not caught up in a web of events, but rather masterfully deciding, accepting, and submitting. He humbled himself. He chose death. He chose the cross for you, for me. He chose the cross for you. Consider that. The servant Jesus showing us his way, God's way, not our own, but in submission and obedience. His punishment so that we can be pardoned. We stray to sheep, but we return as children. We return as heirs of the promise. We return as heirs of the promise. Yes, Lord. From the perspective of faith, his punishment means we are pardoned. He was pierced so that we can have peace. The outcome of his death is the Lord's delight and the prodigal's return. And from the perspective that we look back, Isaiah was looking forward, but we can look back from the perspective of Monday and say, you know what? He is resurrected. He ascended to the Father. We live in victory. That victory is ours by what Jesus has done on our behalf. His, his righteousness was extended to you and I, to all who believe. The Lord gives his servant those who he died to save because God's, in God's sight, the work of redemption has been fully and successfully completed. It is done. It is done. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he rules supreme here in this place, in our lives, in our futures. In a world of uncertainty, he is certain. He does not change. So reflect on this this morning as I come to a close. He personally identified himself with each and one of us. In verse 12, it said, he let himself be numbered with you, with me, with the lost world. He acted as a substitute, lifting up and taking away and carrying our pain, our suffering, our sins. He acted as a mediator and made intercession, verse 12, so that we can become God's children and approach God's throne with grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help 
in our time of need. In our time of need. So from the perspective of faith, he took your burdens, guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, and sin, and mine. We are saved. We have peace with God. We are united together in one spirit. In one spirit. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. There is no condemnation. It was placed on him. His sufferings were caused by our sins, but his victory is our eternal peace. Amen.